Hey, as you're having your seat, grab your Bibles. We're in Romans chapter 12 today. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, please take one from under a seat in front of you there. And if you don't own a Bible, take that one home with you afterward. Hey, I know uh, most of you know we have, we have a church in Newark, New Jersey that, we're, that we partner with, sister churches, if you would. And I, I have the privilege of talking to Pastor Ray virtually every Sunday morning we FaceTime each other. And he wanted me to send his warmest wishes to you uh, this morning. <laughs> I was talking with him today, it's four degrees. He sent me a screenshot, four degrees, and the high of 17. I couldn't help but send him a screenshot back that it was 51 and a high of 74 today, but that's just, I couldn't help myself. Hey, well, also too, I, I just wanted to real quickly send a, give you a personal invitation to come back tonight at six o'clock for our, our monthly prayer meeting. Um, just, to, just a great time to gather together as the body of Christ and, and, and pray. Seek the Lord for so many things that are needed, uh, not only here, but around the world. We, have, we do pray for our, our individual missionaries that we support. And we have a team, again, leaving from our church in the next few days to go to Myanmar. Um, and they'll be there for a little bit. So uh, come on out. Let's, they're going to be there. They'll share a little bit about that, and we'll pray for them as they head out. So tonight at 6 o'clock, please come back. Romans chapter 12. Last week, we started looking at this pivotal point in, in the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And as we mentioned, the first 11 chapters in Romans, Paul goes into great detail Talking to us theologically, there's doctrinal issues dealt with there, and we talked about soteriology, the study of, of salvation, and Paul lays it out very clearly that all of us are lost because of sin in our life. Sin has separated us from God. All of us sin and fall short of the glory of God, and because of that, we face the wrath of God forever in, in hell. That is, that is the destiny of all because of sin. So because of that, and there's nothing that we could do by our works or somehow to earn our way to earn favor with God, God sent his only son, Jesus, to live a perfect sinless life and to die in our place. And if we receive the free gift of salvation by faith, becoming born again, we are declared righteous, justified in his sight. And so we looked at that over 11 chapters. Paul talked about that as a gift that comes to us. We receive it by faith. The assurance that we have because of that, the fact that God is a covenant-keeping God. And we looked at the fact that he has kept his covenant with, with Israel, and we can then hold on to the fact that the covenant he has made, the new covenant he's made with us, we can be assured of that. And it's with all of that as the backdrop that chapter 12 starts with the word, therefore, because of that, because of who he is, almighty God, because of who we were, sinful, rebellious man, because of what he did dying in our place and because of who we are now, because of that justified children of God. He says, because of that, we should live a life that is completely dedicated and given over to God. Our lives should be a living sacrifice, holy, dedicated, set apart for him, to be well-pleasing to God, not just avoiding things that displease God, but we should be actively searching out and living a life that is well-pleasing to him. And he said, guys, that's the only thing that makes sense. 
when you think of all of it, the only thing that makes sense is for a life that's lived like that. And then in verse 2, he said, and in order to do that, we have to stop being molded and shaped by the evil age that we live in. Stop being conformed by the world. That, that, that the world somehow is molding us and shaping us into what it desires us to be. He says, but be radically changed from the inside out. Be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And with that as the, as the, as the setup now, we move into verses 3 through 8. Let's read them together here and then we'll break it down with, uh, with some greater detail. But follow along with me in your Bibles beginning in verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. Or he who gives, with liberality. Or he who leads, with diligence. Or he who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. And Paul laying out what it is that we are to do. And, and, and at the end of verse two, it talks about the fact that when we do this, we can determine, we can know what the will of God is for us. His perfect will. Individually, personally, his perfect will for us. We know corporately as the church, the will of God, and it's laid out for us here, all Christians, everyone is called to serve God. Everyone is called to have their life a total sacrifice. We have a common commission as the church, as the body of Christ, not to, not to keep this a secret in these four walls, but to take the message of the gospel out to the world. Jesus said, go, go. Make disciples of all nations. We have that as a common commission, but notice in our verses today that we look at, Paul makes it very clear that we are equipped with greatly diverse gifts. We have a united message. We should have unity in our, our commitment, but a diversity in the gifts, a diversity in the service. And as we look at the spiritual gifts, as Paul lays it out for us, I, I think it's no doubt very purposeful on Paul's part and by the Holy Spirit's inspiration that verse 3 starts it off when he says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think more highly of yourself. Because <laughs> bottom line, when we start thinking of and talking about spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts is a breeding ground for pride. All of a sudden, everybody can say, oh, look at me. Oh, man, all of a sudden, wow. Yeah, God really, God really knew what he was doing when he picked in me. And Paul starts it off when we're going to talk about this. It's all about humility. Don't think too highly of yourself. And I think he's even pointing back to what he's already said because it's going to take a renewed mind to do that. 
Because guys, our minds from, from birth are, are wired a totally different way. Because of our, our sinful nature that we've inherited from, from Adam and it's just reinforced with it. How many of you had to train your children to be selfish? <laughs> Nobody? <laughs> you know, I, I, I wish I had the, my, my phone going the other day recording because it was a perfect illustration of it. We were taking care of our grandsons the other day and... <laughs> It was by the grace of God, it was just about 10, 15 minutes before mom was going to come pick him up. But um, <laughs> it got to the point where the oldest was running around the coffee table with this flashlight, and the youngest was chasing after him. The oldest didn't, the oldest didn't care about the flashlight. He just didn't want the younger one to have it. He kept taunting him with it and flashing it in his eyes and, you know, and the whole thing. And the youngest one is just around, running around, running around. And he didn't really want it either. He just didn't want his brother to have it. It's just mine. I want it. I, I, I. We didn't train him to do that. As a matter of fact, during timeout, we were renewing their minds that that is not that is not the behavior that we are to have but unfortunately even as we become adults that is still something that we need to be continually reminded of not to think more highly of ourselves than we should as a matter of fact Paul says in Galatians chapter 6 if somebody thinks they're something when they're not they deceive themselves we can, through the process of, of convincing ourselves, lying to ourselves over and over and over again, get to the point where we actually believe it. We actually believe that we're something. Again, man, God was one brilliant guy when he picked me. Become a legend in our own minds. And because of that, again, getting this idea that, that as we move up, that just means there's more people below us and become prideful in that. You know, Jesus taught over and over and over again that that way of thinking, which is everywhere in the world, right? Man, so the world says it doesn't matter who you step on to get to the top as long as you get there. And that's how you know you've made it to the top by all the people that are below you and all this. That's the way the world works. Hey, it's all about me. It's, you know, and look out for number one. And it's amazing how everybody's number one, but we all got to look out for, for ourselves and that whole thing. And Jesus turned that whole thing on its, on its ear all the time. One particular instance in Matthew chapter 20, he's speaking to his disciples after he called them to himself and he says, you know, that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great men exercised authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He said, man, in the, guys, in the kingdom of heaven and the way it works in the, in the true economy, you want, to be, you want to be greatest, you need to become the least. You want to become first, you place yourself as a slave, as a servant to everyone else. And then he gave himself as the, as the ultimate example of that. The king of kings and the Lord of lords didn't come to be served, but to serve. Paul picks that same theme up in Philippians chapter 2 
You can turn over there real quickly if you like, or you can jot it down. Um, I'll, read, I'll read the first several verses, but Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, he says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and, and, and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, United in spirit, intent on one purpose. Again, unity everywhere there. But notice here he says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And then verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Humility. Humility. Jesus models that for us. We are called as Christians to humble ourselves, not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Guys, honestly, when we look at this, we have nothing to boast about anyway, right? When we really, when we really peel it all back, God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter nine says this, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But he goes on to say, and again, the Lord speaking through Jeremiah, if you're going to boast, boast that he understands and knows me, who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness. Now, when I read that yesterday, I, had, I just felt okay, to go there thinking of boasting. I read that again. I said, you know, it almost sounds like it's contradicting itself a little bit there, right? Because it says, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, but if you're going to boast, boast that you know God. So that must mean that he's not talking about an intellectual knowledge. It's not something that we should boast about that, hey, look at all of the stuff I've discovered and look at all of these things and I, I've got all of this memorized or all of these things. No, it must be talking about an experiential knowledge. That when, when I come to this place where I understand how loving and gracious and merciful God is because of the love and the grace and the mercy that he has extended toward me, then any boasting doesn't, doesn't point to me. It all points to him. He's the only one that deserves any glory whatsoever. Now, Paul says that we're not supposed to think higher than we, we should of ourselves, but notice there, it followed by but. There's a contradiction there. But to think so as to have sound judgment. That literally means to think, to, to be what is sensible, reasonable when it comes to thinking about ourselves, to be sensible in that whole thing. And the easy path to follow, again, is what Jesus told us. Right? He, he, he tells us that apart from him, we can only do so much. Anybody? Anybody? All right. Just making sure you're paying attention. <laughs> Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. You know, it's interesting, that word that's used here, that is, that's translated sound judgment, it's the same word that describes a man 
in the, in the Gospels, the man that was legion, the one that was filled with all of the demons, the one that was running around naked in the graveyards and cutting himself and terrorizing everyone that came and couldn't be bound with chains, all of that, it describes that man after he met Jesus. It says that after the crowds came out to see what was going on, it says that they saw this man sitting in sound judgment. What did he have to boast in? (laughs) Nothing. Before he encountered Jesus, the same is true with us. Guys, before we encounter Jesus, we have absolutely nothing. Everything that we have is a gift that comes from God. It's all by grace. Even Paul, look at the beginning of verse 3. He says, for through the grace given to me. Paul even says, it's all about grace. The exhortation that Paul is bringing, he's, he's not even standing on his own merit with that. He's saying, it's by God's grace that I'm even able to stand in your presence now and bring this word to you. He also says in another place, this is my life verse, 1 Timothy 1.12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. And he continues, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And note this, and the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. The grace of God more than abundant. The faith and love found in Christ Jesus. It's the only reasonable attitude that we are to have towards this. Now, he says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to, but understand there's a ditch on the other side of that road that many can find themselves in. Oh, I can't do anything for God. I can't be used by God. I don't have anything that I can offer him. I don't know. No, we do know that apart from him, we can do nothing. But Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I tell you, this, this part here, if you guys don't take anything else away from this morning, I pray that you listen up to the next few minutes because this is such a blessing, has been all week to me. Notice at the end of this verse, it says, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith, a measure of faith given. Now, that is not saving faith that we're talking about here because remember back in verse one, we touched on this last week, he's talking to believers. He said brethren. He's talking to believers. So who, he's, who the audience is here has already exercised the faith needed to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, which, by the way, in Ephesians chapter 2 tells us is also a gift. It's nothing we can boast in in that either. But we're talking about a different faith here, faith for a different reason. And it's allotted to and it is given to. Understand this. Every Every single born-again believer has the exact gift and resources needed to fulfill the role that God has uniquely called you to fill. Everyone, if you are a born-again believer here today, every one of you has been given the gifts and the resources needed to uniquely fill the position that God 
called you alone to fill, including the faith needed. We know, and we see this throughout throughout the word of God, Old Testament, New Testament, we see it everywhere, that God is a faithful God, right? That he is faithful, that he can be trusted. That as we go through, through our lives, when we face difficulties, when we go through things, we know that we'll never be alone. He promised I'll never leave you or forsake you. We know that he is a faithful God. But this week, God showed me something in his word that just has totally blessed me. In 1 Peter, it tells us not only is he a faithful God, but he's a faithful creator. And when we match that up with what we're talking about with all of this, as a faithful creator, Paul tells us, again, in Ephesians, that we, as believers, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. We're his workmanship, and he's a faithful creator. The good works, the things that he has designed, he set all of that up beforehand, and as the faithful creator, he knit us together in our mother's womb to have everything that we would need to walk that out including the faith. You might be saying, I, you know, I felt God calling me to do this. I believe that I'm supposed to do this, but I just don't have the faith to do it. Yes, you do. You just have to cash the check. You need to take the step. Because clearly, as a faithful creator, he has given us everything that we need. I, again, I mentioned to you that my, my life verse is this, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. That's a verse that, that God has given me and I own that personally myself. But I have to tell you, I've always struggled with that part that says he considered me faithful until this week. Because I'm like, what is in me that is faithful? And again, the only thing that is is because he's a faithful creator. And he created me uniquely for the position and the calling that he's given me. It's something I boast in, but it's something I rejoice in that I know. I know because he's a faithful creator. Anybody else think that's cool? I just, I, God is a faithful creator. He has, again, uniquely chosen you. As a believer, he has uniquely planned a path for you, works that you are to do, that only you can do, and he has uniquely created you to do it. With this idea, again, of the, the spiritual gifts, and we're just touching it today here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, 14. I encourage you to read those. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. There's more information there when it comes to it, but I'm going to just touch on it a little bit because it, it points directly to what we're talking about today as, as we're moving through this. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. 
But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It, there's varieties. It's, it's all through there. But each one has been given a manifestation for the common good. He continues then in verse 11, 1 Corinthians 12, but one in the same spirit works all these things, all the gifts, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Everyone individually given exactly what it is that's needed. Doesn't come in neat, <laughs> neatly packaged or labeled packages. There's many combinations. There's different degrees. There's different shades, if you would. I have, I have zero artistic ability, none whatsoever. I know, I probably couldn't even name for you all the primary colors. But my daughter has incredible artistic ability. And it's, and it's fun for me to watch her as she's working sometimes because she has all of these paints and it looks quite honestly like a mess, a bunch of, uh, you know, all of this stuff around, but she'll grab this little, 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 little egg holder thing and she takes a little bit of this color, a little bit of this color, a little bit, mixes it together, looks at it, grabs a little bit more of this, mixes it together and then holds it up and then all of a sudden she'll start painting with that color that she mixed all of this stuff together with and it's perfect and it fits perfectly together in the painting that she's making and that amazes me. But when I think about what it's telling us here in the word of God, that's, that's what God is doing. He takes a little bit of this and he takes a little bit of this and he takes a little bit of this and he mixes that up and he puts that in you as the faithful creator. And he says, now this is the path I want you to now go. <laughs> he, he continues, because we do have to move on from verse three. <laughs> verse four. For just as we have many members in one body and all our members and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I love this illustration and he uses this not only here but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 too, the, the illustration of the human body to speak of the body of Christ. The body of Christ, Christ is the head and we are the body. Individual, whole body, one, united, but made up of all the individual parts. None are the same. They can't be the same. If we were, if we were all the same, it would really look funny and it, would be, it wouldn't be very useful. If we all had the, the same gift, if we, were, if we were all an ear, it would look really weird and it wouldn't be very useful. Equality does not equal sameness. Indifference does not equal inequality. We're, we are all, again, individually purposed and, and gifted. One quote I, I wrote down this week I wanted to share is, no gift not given should be sought. Because that's a, that's a temptation for all of us, right? Is, well, I want that gift. I want to do what they're doing. I, I, I want that. No gift not given should be sought. No gift given should be neglected because every gift is needed. Every part of the body is needed. 1 Peter 4.10, as, as each one has received a special gift, employ it, use it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Everyone 
Use what God has given you. Don't, don't become jealous, envious of what others have. Use what God has given you because the body needs it. Our bodies need all of, our, all of, our, all of the body to, to function as it was created to. And it, if you're going to compare like eyeballs and fingernails, it's probably every one. If I was to hand out a piece of paper and secret ballad, would you rather be an eyeball or a fingernail? <laughs> Everyone would probably check eyeball because, you know, everybody says, well, you have such pretty eyeballs. <laughs> I think that's funny. Your eyes are so beautiful. What makes eyes beautiful? Isn't it because it's a part of the rest and everything like that? Because if you took the eyeball out by itself and said, that's not very beautiful. <laughs> but... Every one of us would probably, it would probably be unanimous. We all want to be eyeballs. And then we'd be like, uh-oh, I have an itch. <laughs> now what are we going to do? We got a room full of eyeballs. Aren't you glad you got fingernails when you have an itch? <laughs> we all need each other. There's no room for competition. There's no room for fighting. It's funny when you look at 1 Corinthians 12 in, in that, I mean, we joke about those types of things, but that's what Paul draws out when you read 1 Corinthians 12. The silliness of that statement. The foot says, well, I'm not a hand, so I'm not needed. Or the ear says to the eye, you're not as important as me, and blah, you know, all this. Kind of, I mean, but it's sad that that can, that can go on within the body of Christ. There's no room for competition. There's no room for fighting. There's no room for jealousy. It's all about, again, doing what God has uniquely called you to do. We need each other. We need every part functioning. Because if we're not, how many of you, how many of you know the effects of a part of your body that's not cooperating? And how that affects the whole body. We don't have time to go in depth. Verses six through eight talk specifically about some gifts. We're going to be having a class starting up in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be diving deep into the spiritual gifts and be watching for that. Um, some information, like I said, within the next couple of weeks. Because God doesn't, want, God doesn't want it to be a big mystery. He wants us to know what our gifting is. And again, a lot of it is a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and, and mixed together. And he wants us to be using it for, for the, the good of the body and the glory of God. But let's, let's look at the, the ones that are outlined here real quickly, beginning in verse 6. Again, notice all the gifts differ according to the grace given to us. It's not earned. You can't work your way up the spiritual gift ladder. It is not, they're, it's, they're not merited. They are, they're given as gifts supernaturally notice first if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith now prophecy literally simply means proclaiming the word of God we have this idea just by the name or the word prophecy that it somehow means foretelling the future and God did use Old Testament prophets giving him the, his word that did have a lot of it speaking of what was to come in the future. And by the way, 100% accurate. Never, never made a mistake. But we have in our hands as we hold them the complete scripture, word of God. The idea of proclaiming the word of God, however 
continues on as a gift. Now, there are some variations and some differing ideas about what that all encompasses. As we look at, again, bringing in 1 Corinthians 12 and some other areas and some offices that are discussed and all that other kind of stuff. But bottom line, it is sharing, proclaiming the word of God. Whether that is through preaching, explaining the will of God through his word, or from time to time when God impresses on your heart something that you are to share with either an individual or a group of believers. That can be called a word of knowledge or, or something like that. It's, again, 1 Corinthians 12 goes into some of those gifts. And we have that happen from time to time when we're like in our encounter nights. We encourage the, 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 those that are there to, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in that. We've had several instances where someone will stand up and proclaim a word of God that comes. Now, a warning with that. If you get that, you are to share it. You are to share everything that God tells you to share and not one word more. That's the problem is a lot of times people use that and then before you know it, you got a, you got a sermon going on. That's not, that's not what it is. It's supposed to be in according to the proportion of his faith or if you have a margin Bible, it might be there where another... Tr- idea that that could mean is in agreement with the faith. It's the, the Greek wording order is a little difficult. And no, everybody agrees that the main focus is the faith, not differing from the faith. Any word proclaimed as you're proclaiming the word of God can never contradict the written word of God. But it is to be used, and again, Paul outlines for us in 1 Corinthians 14, the purpose of prophecy. He says, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And he tells why in verse 3, but one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, for exhortation, for consolation. It is God speaking through an individual to build up, to comfort, to encourage, to reassure in, if prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. faith. If service in his serving, talking about practically serving, meeting the needs of the body. Now, we are all called as believers to serve. But this is speaking about a special gift that is given. And you know those people. You've seen them around, and perhaps you have that gift, where you just have a, the knack, the understanding to know where a need is. You, you see something that needs to be done. You, you get the resources needed to take care of it and go take care of it. And, and the, it's interesting that the Greek word that is used here is diakonos, where we get our term deacon. And when we, as leaderships from time to time, we're looking and praying about deacons within the church, before we even go to the, the, the scripture where it tells us the requirements that are needed, there are certain things that are required of somebody to hold the office of deacon in the church. The first thing we look for is if they're deaconing. If they're actually working within the gift. Because if you're looking for a title, you're not deaconing. It's all about, again, a gift that God gives, and you're saying, hey, that needs to be done. That garbage needs to be taken out. That trash needs to be picked up. That, that nursery needs to be taken care of. And again, you might think that, well, serving in the nursery, that's not very spiritual. Au contraire. <laughs> the fact that God would call you to go and to watch over little children and to, to protect them and to pour into them and take care of them so a mom and a dad can come in here and not worry about their child and they can worship God 
and they can study his word. That's pretty spiritual if you ask me. There's so many areas within that. But again, it's, it's just practically meeting. And again, without recognition, without applause needed, it's just doing it because that's what God's wired you to do. Or he who teaches in his teaching, again, teaching the word of God, putting it in a way that's, that's, that's understandable, instructing on what to do. He who exhorts in his exhortation, that's a, that's a different function, that's a different gift. That, the Greek word there, parakleo, literally means to come alongside, to come alongside someone and encourage them to, to walk out what we learn. We, we, we learn it together, but let's live it together. That one that comes alongside, maybe warning in things, strengthening, comforting, exhortation. He who gives with liberality. Again, we are all called as believers to give to the work of God. We are all called to, to give joyfully, sacrificially. That's We're all called with that. But the gift of giving is something that is a spiritual gift that goes above and beyond that. To, it's, a, it's a special gift that is given to certain ones. And God, God blesses and then the, the blessing is given out. And it's just like this, this channel that God can trust and use because it's a gift that he has given to some. We, we started our study in the book of Job on Wednesday nights. We go through the Old Testament on Wednesday nights, started Job on Wednesday. And Job was a man like that, Ex- extremely wealthy. God blessed him in many ways. But you read Job 29, and it talks about all of the ways that he used what God blessed him with to be a blessing to others. He took care of widows. He took care of orphans. He took care of the less fortunate. He, he was always looking on how he could be a channel of God's blessing. And that is somebody who has this gift and again, in, with liberality, that speaks of the simplicity. There's no ulterior motive. You don't, you don't give with a calculator saying, okay, well, if I give this, God said it's going to press down, measure together. Okay, that must mean I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Nope. <laughs> None of that worried about. It's just I'm a, I'm a channel. I'm a conduit that God can use. He who leads with diligence. Again, this idea the, that to get a title or whatever, that's, that's not it at all. As a matter of fact, depending on the context, that Greek word can be used either to lead or to care for. And within the, the context we're looking at here, it means both. To lead and to care for. To lay down your life for. As, as again, I, when I'm, whenever I'm sitting down and talking with, with young people, looking into feeling a call in leadership within ministry, whether it's pastoral or whatever, and start talking about, or even with pastors and elders with the church, it's a continual reminder for us that leadership within the church, leadership within the body of Christ is not a greater level of status. It's a greater level of service. That is what is the call of, of the shepherd, is to lay down his life for the sheep, the shepherd to take care of. And it's not at all a status thing. With diligence, to be eager for that, to be zealous for that. Lastly, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Mercy, that active sympathy. Again, not just looking and feeling bad about something, but it's, it really is a gift. It's something that God touches, does something in the heart of that individual where they actually have a spe- special sensitivity. They feel the pain of another. 
they sense and they see someone that's hurting that, that perhaps others can go right by and totally miss, but there's something about that individual and they see it and they can sense the hurting. I can tell you, my wife, Christina, has this gift. She sees people that are hurting and her heart breaks and it, and it moves her to do something about it to go and talk to them, to go take care of, of a need. I, I have to admit, and I hate to do this in front of all of you, but we'll be driving down the road at times, and she'll, I'll, I'll just look over, and she'll be fidgety all of a sudden, and, I, and she, sometimes even she'll start crying, and I go, what is wrong? She goes, you didn't see that person back there? And I'll be like, uh, no. <laughs> no, I didn't. I was kind of just all self-absorbed over here. I, and it, her heart breaks, when she, she, she'll see somebody, she'll see somebody walking on the side of the road and she'll be wondering, oh, I, I, I hope they're okay. I, I, should we stop and ask if they're okay? I mean, it's just that that's the way her heart is. She's just wired that way, so concerned for others. There have been many times where I'll be at home and she'll come, come into the house. She'll start cooking something. I go, what's going on? She goes, I got, I'll, I'll be right back. She cooks up a burrito, grabs a bottle of water out the door again. Because she saw somebody that was on the side of the road in need of something. And she, her heart just broke for that person. Went out there and gives them a bottle of water and a, and a, and a burrito and tells them God loves them. And she, that, she just, she's wired that way. Someone who has the gift of mercy, they know what to say. They know when to say it. They also know when not to say something. Because there are... Some instances, guys, we can't mercy everyone all the time. God might be doing something in somebody's life. And it's a sensitivity, again, a gift of God by the Holy Spirit that would say, not this one yet. I'll let you know when, because they're going to need it, but not yet, because I'm doing a work here. With cheerfulness, attitude makes, makes all the difference for sure. I guess, bottom line as we close, guys, spiritual gifts, every born-again believer has been given them, all of us. And if you don't know what yours is as a believer, don't be discouraged. Pray. Seek the Lord about it. Like I said, I encourage you to, to read, again, reread Romans 12 here, this section. Read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 as you're praying, Ephesians 4. Also, we're going to be having this class coming up. I'd encourage, I'd encourage any of you, even if you feel you're not pretty confident about that, it's always good to go through that, even so you know how to share and encourage others in their gifting. But even in addition to that, just as important as that is, use your gift. Use what God has uniquely gifted you to do for the good of the body of Christ and for the glory of Christ. We need you. Every one of us, we need each other. And if you're feeling again, man, I, I feel that God's calling me with this, but I just don't have enough faith, know that you do because you have a faithful creator. He is not gonna lead you down a path of destruction. He will, he will take you through step by step by step, but you gotta step out in faith. And guys, it starts, comes back to where we ended last week. It's all about surrender. It's all about saying, all right, God, where else am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. What else am I going to do? Nothing else makes sense. You redeemed me. You're the one who took me out of this muck and mire. 
placed my feet on solid ground. What else am I going to do? But here's my life, God. Use it. Every step. You guide it, direct it. Would you stand with me? Let's pray and let's again, let's, let's worship the Lord. Let's put our hearts before him saying, God, we're yours. Lord, we do thank you. We come together this morning as the body of Christ that you've assembled here at Calvary Chapel Surprise. And Lord, we realize that we are just a small part of your body around the world. But we also understand that we're not here by accident. We're not in Surprise, Arizona in January of 2018 by random chance. God, you have assembled us all here for a reason, for a purpose. And Lord, we know because your word tells us that you have a specific role for us to play in this. And Lord, that blows our mind that the creator of the universe, almighty, all-powerful God, would choose to use us, that you would consider us faithful and put us into service. But Lord, we worship you today and we praise you and we thank you that, that you would pour into us not only did you choose us, not only did you save us, but Lord, you've given us gifts. And they're not to be, not to be clutched onto and held onto for, for us, but they're to be used for your kingdom purposes. So as we, as we marvel in that truth again, Lord, we come to this point where we just have to say, God, here I am. Take me, use me for for whatever you desire, have your way for the good of your, your church and for your glory alone, God. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.